Hey, this is Chris Holland. Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to mention that uh, reviews on iTunes are especially important to the show. They help find new uh, listeners and give me the warm fuzzies. So if you enjoy the show and have been listening for a while, uh, if you could visit the listing on iTunes to leave a five-star rating and some nice words, that would be really helpful. I'd appreciate it a lot. Uh, on a, if you're on a laptop or a desktop computer, you can just go to filmfestivalsecrets.com slash iTunes, and uh, you'll be taken to a page with a little blue link that says visit in iTunes, and you can go to the iTunes software, and uh, it'll jump straight to the page where you can click those five stars and type a few nice words. Uh, if you're on a mobile device, you'll need to launch iTunes and, and search for the podcast. Uh, that link doesn't you know, work all nicely on the mobile stuff I've noticed. Today's guest for the podcast is Mark Stolaroff, who's better known as the creator of the No Budget Film School, uh, which you can find at nobudgetfilmschool.com. Uh, he's also the producer of a bunch of films that have played dozens of festivals, including Tribeca and the LA Film Festival and Sundance. He's got a really wide range of experience uh, in producing, distribution, and festivals. But today, we're going to talk about his crowdfunding experience. Uh, he's got a campaign going right now to raise finishing funds for his new film, Driver X, which is based on uh, his screenwriter friend's experiences as an Uber driver. Uh, and it looks like a really great concept. They finished principal photography uh, with... Some really neat actors, including uh, one of the stars of Better Call Saul and some folks from The Office and stuff like that. Uh, so if you're in front of a computer right now, you can peruse uh, the campaign site. Just go to driverxmovie.com and that'll take you straight to the Kickstarter page. Uh, you know, if you're not driving or walking while you listen, which is, you know, my favorite place to listen to podcasts, uh, you can sort of poke through those links while you listen. Otherwise, uh, go to the show notes, which you can find by going to uh, filmfestivalsecrets.com slash podcast and just uh, look for the, the episode there. Uh, Mark Stoloroff is his name. And uh, last but not least, before we get started, I wanted to mention the upcoming launch of a new online course, uh, Filmmakers Crowdfunding Blueprint which is based on my experiences in crowdfunding my own projects and my work with festivals and filmmakers on fundraising for their projects. Uh, that's going to launch at the end of April 2016, uh, but there are some special offers for you guys listening to the podcasts uh, at a special URL. If you go to filmfestivalsecrets.com slash crowd, you'll be able to see all that uh, before the launch and after. Uh, so let's get started with Mark Stoloroff. You are listening to the Film Festival Secrets Podcast. I'm Chris Holland, and today I'm talking to Mark Stoloroff. Hi, Mark. Hey, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, and you seem to be doing pretty okay yourself. You got a Kickstarter campaign that seems to be making some money. Yeah, we're rolling along to use our one of our many um, driving puns. <laughs> it's a film about ride sharing, about a about an, an Uber driver. He's not technically driving for Uber. We made up a fictional company, but we use a lot of driving puns to uh, entice people to get involved in our project. So the film's called Driver X, the Uber movie. Well, uh, the, the the project is called Driver X. Called so the what is the, just, the film called? Just Driver X. Just Driver X. Okay, cool. I think the Uber people would probably have a problem with our movie called. Right. Uber movie. Yeah, I take it you haven't heard from them at all. No, people keep saying you should you should hook up with them and they might do some kind of, you know, whatever. And um, I'm like, uh, you know, I mean, we're not ripping Uber. I mean, we don't. It's not Uber, but it's certainly based on Uber. And um, and we try to be as honest as we can about you know the experience of drive sh of ride sharing. So I don't know if Uber would be happy with that depiction or or not. And you know, it's not my. I think we're, you know, we're just going to do our thing and see what happens. Sure. So I've known you for way too long. I think longer than either of us care to admit, uh, but talk a little bit about how you got into indie film and um, the projects you've worked on so far. So I uh, was one of those kids. I'm old now. Um, I've been old now for a while um, who grew up uh, 
you know, m- making little films in school, but then it was hard to do that when there wasn't video and you did it on eight millimeter. And so, you know, I, I mean, I, so I've always been interested in this kind of stuff, but I, you know, when I went to college, I kind of chickened out there. I went to the university of Texas where they actually had a really great undergraduate film program and I chickened out and majored in business, but I really, you know, had no interest in the business stuff I was doing. And I was lucky. I got into a business honors program that gave me a lot of flexibility and I ended up taking film production at U- UT and all the prerequisite classes and, and loved it and was thought I was pretty good at it actually, but I still just wasn't convinced that I should make it a career. So I did two years of investment banking after, after college. And then I went back to Houston. My, my father got sick and I went back to Houston to take care of things with the family. And I did my second year. Uh, I was in New York at the time. I did my second year investment banking in Houston. And then I started a theater with a friend of mine that we grew up making, doing skits and, and literally like skits for our parents and, and, you know, in fourth grade, you know, we do these little skits and stuff for in school. And so we started this theater because he was like a theater major at Duke. And um, for five years, I ran a, a, what I would call it now a DIY, you know, live theater that, um, uh, you know, we financed the shows ourselves. We, we wrote a lot of the shows ourselves. I performed in a lot of them. I'm not a very good actor. Um, and it was in that moment, you know, I was like, I don't know, why am I doing theater? I really want to do film. And I thought I was pretty good at it. And so at some point I started working on little local films in Houston and then eventually realized, you know, I need to, I need to get out of Houston to do this. And I, and this is the time of clerks and El Mariachi and Slacker when you're, you know, if you were in Texas and I was really inspired by those films and and that's the kind of movies I wanted to make. I was all into the whole DIY thing anyway. I didn't have big visions that needed a lot of money to make. So when I left for LA in 94, it was to make my own version of Clerks. And so I started working at Corman's, Roger Corman's company when I got out here and production kind of worked my way up the production track, first AD kind of production track. And then I, then in 97, when I was kind of still contemplating directing my own movie, I, um, I heard about this company called Next Wave Films that had just been announced. It was at South by Southwest at the time, and they were announced um, during the festival of this new company that the Independent Film Channel was financing that Peter Broderick had founded. And he was at the festival, you know, talking about it. And I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I want to do. This is this combines my kind of passion for no budget filmmaking with, you know, whatever business background or whatever, because it was about giving finishing funds to these kinds of movies. And in fact, the people that I had been following and loved like Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and Steven Soderbergh, all these kinds of people were on the board of advisors for this company. And I, I tracked Peter Broderick down in the hallways at South by Southwest and, and uh, uh, said, Hey, I really want to work for you. And he, he, I mean, he was so overwhelmed. He didn't even, you know, he couldn't even do anything about it, but I, I, I uh, gave him, resume and eventually met with him in LA and I was the first person he hired and worked for him for six years, you know, looking at thousands of low budget films, um, getting involved with, with a few of them. You know, we got involved with Chris Nolan's first film following that was uh, our second film. Actually, we got involved with, um, with Joe Carnahan's, uh, blood guts, bullets and acting. That was our first film. We, we were, involved with pie for a while, but then that fell through. And, um, but anyway, during that six year period, we, looked at a lot of great films, got, in law, got involved with some terrific films. And um, and then when Next Wave closed in 2002, I was kind of left with like, well, what am I going to do now? And I, you know, really didn't know. I mean, I knew a lot about the, that part of the independent film world and had made a lot of connections in that world. And um, so I just stayed in it, you know, as a producer. And, um, you know, I went from having money and giving money to people to, having to go out and raise money, but I was never interested in raising money. And I kind of thought I knew how to make movies this other way, which is not raising money where you just make movies with whatever money you have. And, um, I actually had money at that time. <laughs> I had, you know, saved up money. I mean, I had had a job for six years and, um, plus I had some money saved up from investment banking. I'd invested all the money I'd made when I was doing that. So, you know, for a while there, I was able to, to, um, self-finance, Film. So I, I worked, I started working with Henry Burial, who's my kind of main, uh, you know, produ- uh, filmmaking partner. I met him when I was at Next Wave. He, he submitted a film to us that there was, he, they maybe spent $3,000 on and we got involved with it and gave them finishing funds. That film was called Somebody and it got into dramatic competition at Sundance in 2001. And, and, uh, when he, um, came to me in 2004, I was working with a gentleman named Ron Judkins on a, uh, on a, company that was going to make a slate of 
of no budget films of like $200,000 films. We were going to raise money to make, you know, like 10 of these films. And he came with me with this project that was a Sundance screenwriters lab project that, that had gotten the producer, original producers had left the project. And we just decided, let's make Ron, let's make this film for $50,000. We just thought we could raise 50, put in our own money and make, you know, make it for 50,000. So we made uh, true love back in 2004, took us a while to make it. And then, um, and then uh, Henry and I were going to festivals with True Love when he came up with the germ of the idea for Pig, which I loved. I mean, it was a one-sentence pitch that I just thought was terrific. And so we started working on that together. He was, you know, writing treatments and then writing drafts. And, and then um, – Well, now once, that you've mentioned the, the one – you have to – you know, you can't leave us hanging with the one-sentence pitch. No, I can't tell you the one-sentence pitch because it gives away the whole mystery. <laughs> Pig is a mystery. Me? Yeah, it's a sci-fi <laughs> mystery and you – if you – if I were to tell you that one, that one sentence, it gives away the whole, I mean, what's pig mean is, you know, the whole thing. And so, um, that's why I can't tell you, I can't tell you or, you know, I have to kill you, but, yeah, but, where, um, where can people see pig? So you can go to the, the pig project, no, the pig, right, the pig picture, sorry, the pig picture.com. And we're, um, we're selling it on, you know, through Gumroad off our website, but you can also go to iTunes and there's other links, you know, on the page. If you, if you prefer to, find it other places. It's on Fandor and Amazon and, you know, all those kind of places. Uh, but, um, but if you, if you do, you know, buy it from us, obviously you can buy the DVD from us or you can buy the download. The download has a lot of, you know, we have a lot of extras and it's a pretty good, you know, it's a pretty good deal. We, we, we create a lot of different extras for the Gumroad. Um, but, uh, so that was another film that we, Henry and I put our own money in. I went to some very close, some people that are very close to me, um, and, uh, and got some more money and we basically self-financed that. And then, and that was our first, uh, you know, four way for foray. Is that the right word? Um, into crowdfunding. I mean, we started crowdfunding that movie in the beginning of 2011. We did our, our campaign. So it was relatively new. Kickstarter was at that point. It was, you know, it, it, I don't know how long it, when it started, but it was still pretty new and you had to explain it to people and you were a little embarrassed to maybe go to your, wealthy friends and tell them that you needed $15,000. Cause my friends would be like, why don't you just put that in yourself? <laughs> um, uh, they don't want to, they didn't know that I didn't have $15,000 or whatever. But, um, so, um, so yeah, I, I started with Kickstarter in, in uh, beginning of 2011 with pig. And then we, then Henry, actually that film was very successful in a certain way. It, it played a lot of festivals it played a lot of interesting kinds of festivals. It, it split between general festivals and genre festivals. And um, so we went all over the world with that film, went to Europe, I think three times, which was really fun. And, um, and that film actually got Henry, his next film. He was attached to a film for years after, right after somebody actually called the house that Jack built, which was written by Joe Vasquez back in the mid nineties. And then Joe Vasquez died. And then Henry was attached um like in 2002 or something, but they could never raise the money. They were trying to, these were veteran producers. They were trying to raise millions of dollars to make this movie, but they saw a pig and they thought, wow, maybe we don't need to raise millions of dollars. And so they put together some financing and um, made uh, and shot the house that Jack built. And I was, I wasn't officially involved. I, I, I was helping Henry just looking at his budget and stuff. And then I became a production accountant just to save them some money. And, um, but when they went into post, they didn't have any money. So they hired me um, I say hired and that sounds like I got paid, but, um, they hired me to, uh, to come on board as a producer and basically see the film out from there. And so that my job was to not only be like the post-production supervisor, but also to, to, you know, deal with festival strategy and then to raise money. And we put together another Kickstarter campaign and, um, did it again. And that was in the beginning of 2013. So two years later, so Kickstarter changed a little bit maybe over that time, or it certainly was more, people were more familiar with it. The whole, um, uh, whatever that TV show that became the movie, um, the, you know, what's her, what's her name show? I never watched it. So I can't, oh, Veronica, so, Veronica Mars that had, that was going on when we launched. Um, and actually I think it sent some people to our page because people were so all over Kickstarter when that was happening. So, so clearly it had, it had reached a mainstream at, by that point and you didn't have to be in the Kickstarter closet. You could, you could admit you were doing this. Um, and it was a cool thing to do. And so we raised, uh, you know, we raised our goal on that one. And, um, and then, uh, and then, you know, now it's what, three years later, we're, we're doing it again for, for driver X in both in all three situations, we did finishing funds as opposed to production funds, which I really like that 
coming at it from that direction. But, you know, certainly there's some advantages and disadvantages either way, I think. But, um, but it's nice to have something to show and, and feel like it's a real project and that kind of thing. So, so initially for, for this film, you put up your own funds or you found investors to do principal photography. Is that how that worked? Well, so, so the mini, the quick story on driver X is, um, all of 2014, pretty much, we were uh, Henry and I were working to get a, a, a larger budget uh, horror film off the ground. Um, I don't know, it was like a million five budget or something like that. And um, we so a little bit outside of our element. And it's a great script, and we had we had the money. It was like gonna happen that whole story, and then it fell through. And then it was gonna happen again, and it was look, looking like it was gonna happen again. And then it fell through again. So for and we were rewriting the script and. We were doing that all of 2014, and um, we, we realized a couple of things. One is that we'd never worked on a movie where, certainly Henry, where he did that many rewrites, and we didn't know if it was even going to ever happen. Because when we were when we did rewrites of our other projects, they were going to happen. We were going to make them happen. There was just no question about it. So you knew when you were doing all that work, it was going to pay off. And this is the first time we did a, like a year's worth of work, and nothing happened. And then we're like, wow, that, that was kind of a drag. We don't even have a movie at the end of the day. And we certainly didn't make any money on it. And we weren't going to make a lot of money on it even when it did happen because the fees, you know, weren't that high, but you just realize, wow, this, I thought no budget filmmaking was hard and whatever, but at least you got a film at the end of the day. So in that context, we, he started, he wasn't working. I wasn't really working. We were working hard on this movie. And so he had to, he was running low on funds. He has two kids and a working wife and he started um, driving for Uber to make ends meet. And he had to do that at night because he was taking care of the kids, you know, part of the day. And so he was going out at night and he would pull over. I stay up all night. I, I work at night really. And he would pull over at like two in the morning and call me and go, Oh my God, you're not gonna believe what just happened What this person just said, what they just did. And I was like, that is awesome. You've got to write that stuff down. And then it, we became like, wait a second, we, there's a movie here. Like we need to really write this, write this stuff down. And we would write, he would write down specific lines that people would say he would write down, the things, and he started writing this movie about a stay-at-home dad who uh, had had recently lost his business, which was not Henry's situation, but this guy had in our movie Leonard had had a record store for years, and then that obviously went out of business, and so now his his wife was working during the day. He takes care of his kids, and um, he's at the beginning of the movie. They they realize they they have a big mortgage they can't afford to to cover, and he's going to have to really step up his game and go get some kind of a job. He'd been interviewing for jobs in the music business, but he wasn't getting anything. And so he starts, he discovers this company called driver X, which is again, very close to, to Uber and starts driving at night, um, which is a very specific kind of rideshare driving in LA at night, you know, especially if you're a 50 year old man, you're dealing with, you know, people half your age, the millennial generation. And, and so there's, a, our film is a lot about, you know, that, just the differences in the generations the you know, generation X versus the millennials um, learning to cope with the fact that you're, you're, you know, your world is now run by that generation behind you, which is something that, you know, um, in the film business, I think a lot of people my age are starting to realize like, wow, these are up and comers are starting to run the, what, what I used to run, you know, which is a very frightening thing when you reach a certain age. Um, but anyway, these are the kind of things that Henry was discovering and then just dealing with, you know, the financial struggles of being in a marriage and all these other kinds of things. So, uh, so a lot of what happens in the movie, you know, really happened to Henry. It's inspired by that. It's also, you know, it's also fiction. There's fiction in there, obviously. And, and it's based on our lead actor, some of his experiences, Patrick Fabian. And so anyway, so we, we just, he came up that we came up with that idea and we were like, wow, we can make this. This isn't, you know, we can, this is totally down our alley. You know, we, we own the car. We own, we have, we can shoot at your house. It was all that kind of no budget filmmaking collection, you know, collecting resource assessment kind of thing that I teach in my class. And, um, and so my goal though, was from the very beginning was like, we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to raise proper financing for this. I'm going to go out, I'm going to put together, you know, create a, you know, operating agreement and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to go to my wealthy friends back home and I'm going to raise this money to make the movie. And I have, you know, I've got a lot of friends and I'm sure they're going to be excited about, you know, my new movie and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, we knew that it was very topical. I mean, we knew it was, that's the th reason I really wanted to raise money is that, you know, pig was a very tricky film and I just didn't think it was going to, it was very hard to imagine it would get its money back um, unless we were in incredibly successful. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to friends and lose their money. So I, I didn't mind losing my own money, but this was a film that I felt like, wow, this film actually has, it's got, it's a commercial idea and 
we're going to get some cast because we have friends that, you know, are, are kind of name actors now and, and we can cast it up and we can make something that could make its money back. So I felt very confident about going out to friends and raising money, but we needed to make the movie like right away because we felt like we were on a kind of a time, time limit as far as it being in the zeitgeist, the whole subject matter. So we jumped in and started making it um, without raising any money. And that was done through a series of loans. I put, this is something I do not teach in my class. I, 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 first thing I tell people is don't borrow money. You know, don't, don't put your movie on credit cards, whatever. But I, I was getting a lot of 0% credit cards. So I put some, uh, put a lot of stuff on that. I borrowed money against my stocks. I lent some, I borrowed some money from, again, some people very close to me. Um, and we shot it. Um, and, um, and, uh, I still have to go out and raise that equity money. I still haven't done that yet. I mean, I, I'm just starting to, do, I've been so busy with that and classes and stuff and, and, um, and it, it's just taking a while to get the, uh, all the materials done. And, and now with this Kickstarter campaign, that's been a full-time job. And so I'm just really starting to go out to people. Uh, so the, the Kickstarter money is really in addition to the equity money, you know, it's to cover the you know the finishing funds, the editing and sound design and color correction and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that it's finishing funds and you have, you know, all of your principal photography done gives you a lot of material to work with when, you know, pitching this, right? People aren't, uh, they're not giving money to something abstract or that's just a bunch of storyboards. You actually have, you know, we have this actor and not only is he committed to the project, it's done. He, you know, he's done his work. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. Uh, and I think it also, um, makes it a little less mysterious while your pitch video now pitch videos typically run what, two to three minutes. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell So it's a, just it's six minutes 40 seconds or something like that it's long i mean we have a long story i mean we have a lot of stuff to talk about we have and like you said we have a film to show we you know we i don't believe in 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 um and i think other quote experts i'm not an expert i i've done this three times and i do not call myself a crowdfunding expert and i and i don't you know people don't hire me to do that um, although I've consulted on a lot of projects and I have very strong opinions, but I, I don't study this and I don't look at all the trends and all that kind of stuff like experts do, but I don't have, but I look, but I've given to more than a hundred campaigns and I've certainly looked at more than that. So I have opinions on these things. So I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't have a rule on the length of a video. I've seen long videos that were just right. I've seen short videos that were too long. I mean, you know, so my opinion was if we feel like it's moving along and we're enjoying it and people, you know, we get, we get feedback. We got a lot of feedback on that video, uh, you know, then we're okay. And so certainly people say to you, well, maybe it should be shorter, but a lot of people just really liked it as is. And, and it was at that stage when we were really trimming it down where if we were going to make it any shorter, we we're just going to have to lift a whole section. And we just, we just didn't want to do that. We should have maybe, I don't know, you know, but a lot of, I've gotten some really great feedback on the video. I have to say, I'm very happy with that because, um, you know, I, I, these videos for me are very strategic. I mean, I've, there's a third one I've done and actually on pig, I think we did three before we ended up with the, the final one. So I've done a bunch of them and, and I, you know, I write them and, um, I'm in them and I'm bad usually in them. And, um, and then I edit them and I'm not an editor either. So, I mean, Henry can edit, but I, I'm the one that ends up, you know, doing these. And so, um, you know, we have very specific point each, there's a reason for every minute or every second of that video, you know? Um, and, uh, it doesn't mean that every one, every second needs to be in there, but it certainly, there was in there for a reason. It wasn't just for us to, to, you know, goofing off or whatever. So, um, and it all starts with, you know, I think any campaign really starts with, you know, the goal shouldn't be to raise money. I mean, ultimately that's your, their goal. And that might be your, your first or second reason, but I, I think it should be maybe your second or third reason. Your first reason is really about, about getting awareness for your project and connecting with very specific audiences, you know, niche audiences. So that first specific audience is going to be your friends and family, just because that's who's going to care and who, you know, you already have their email address or their phone number. And so that's your first audience. But then after that, you have to start thinking, well, who are the people that I don't know that might be really interested in this project? So, you know, for us, it's things like, um, you know, people who ride share, 
uh, stay-at-home dads, uh, people who are fans of the TV shows that our actors are in. So my lead actors on Better Call Saul, they have a huge, very loyal fan base, and he's he's got a, his own you know loyal fan base. Um, we have Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine Nine. We have Desmond Borges from You're the Worst. We have Oscar Nunez from The Office. So you know it's like trying to connect with the fans of these shows. Um, there's you know there's some other. Uh, there's some other types of, you know, niche audiences that, that are kind of like further out, you know, from the con, kind of middle circle of, of uh, audiences. And so when you create your page and your video, you are, you know, intentionally writing stuff into that for those different audiences and, and starting with your friends and family. I mean, you know, what are the, what are the things that they're going to think are cool? I mean, my friends back home, I think they're going to be impressed with my lead actor's bio. He has a he has an incredible bio. It's he's been around forever. He's been acting for 25 years. He's been on every TV show. You know, they uh, they'll recognize him from something, you know. And it's fun to I think for them to talk about uh, and and he does it in a very funny way in the video. Um, you know, where he kissed, you know, Kelly Kapowski and on Saved by the Bell and all this like stuff. I mean, you know, we have some fun with it. And then um, and then, you know, we t- obviously we're talking about our backstory. We're trying to give ourselves some legitimacy when we do that, that this isn't our first, you know, um, our first time to make a film. We've done these are, you know, this is our fifth film together, you know, all these kinds of things are all, all that stuff has a very specific purpose. Um, so, uh, that's why that video is so long. All right, I think you call out the reasons that, uh, that it's allowed to be as long as it is. I mean, it seems a little ridiculous to say seven minutes is too long for a video, but um, it, in terms of Kickstarter plea videos, it's it's definitely on the long side. But you you have every right to those minutes because you are just establishing this waterfall of social proof of people who believe in you and believe in your project enough to be involved, and they're name actors and they're people that, you know, people recognize. So I think that's an important lesson is that you don't want to leave that stuff on the floor if it's legit, right? You don't want to say simply for the sake of, uh, of running time, whether we're talking about a pitch video or a short film or a feature film, you know, your story needs to be, your film needs to be as long as it needs to be and not a minute longer. Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, we cut, there are little things that, you know, you cut because it can't be a three seconds longer, you know, and, and it's, and it's, you know, we like to think that it's, that's up to your audience, I guess. Um, but we'd like to think that it's very paced very, you know, quickly and it moves along and there's a lot of B roll. It's not just us talking. And, um, you know, we try to have some fun. And even though Henry and I are really stiff on screen, um, I mean, mainly because we just didn't have time to, prepare, you know, prepare lines, but, um, you know, we have an actor who's terrific on screen. So he's, he does, you know, a lot of the talking too. And, but, you know, we, you know, it, 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 we try to keep it moving along. And, um, uh, so, you know, again, I was really happy to see, I, I had, uh, I got a tweet from the head of the funny enough about editing, um, the head of the final cut pro, well, what was formerly called the LA final cut pro users group. It's now called something else because it's, they don't just deal with final cut pro, but that's a big editing group. It's a huge editing group in LA and he tweeted, uh, you know, this is the best Kickstarter video I've ever seen. And I thought that was, that was such a, I was so, you know, thrilled to, to see that, uh, especially from an editor. Um, uh, but, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure some people who don't care will find it long or something, but, but uh, I've gotten great feedback and I'm really happy with it, you know, so, and it's not, you know, it's not slick or fancy. That's the other thing. I mean, I, when I first started writing about Kickstarter, when I f- wrote my first article for my blog about Kickstarter, you know, I said this, and I think it's still true, even though people have gotten a little bit, you know, better on their videos. That you know, these videos do not have to be slick. You don't have to have slick graphics or shot really, really well. Um, they need to be sincere, and I mean, you need to be able to hear people, so the audience should be good, and and they and they should look okay. I mean, there's no reason to make them look, you know, bad uh, because they are. They can be a reflection of you know how well you think you're going to be you know, shooting your movie, but you know, we have, we show the footage from our movie. So if our, you know, the way our car looks in the video uh, that we shot, it doesn't look as good as it does in the, in the movie because we had, you know, a professional cinematographer and, you know, spent some time and money in making the, the car stuff look great. So we didn't have to make our, our pitch video car stuff look that great because you're about to see what it, you know, it really looks like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm not a big believer that your videos have to look super slick and I've seen super slick ones that were cold and turned me off and I don't, don't, didn't care. You know, I think that really the appeal, the personal appeal is huge and, um, you have to look at the camera. You got to talk to your audience 
and you got to tell them, you know, sincerely why they should be interested in what you're doing. And, and, um, and if you're good at that, if you're, you know, I've, I've seen videos that are so people are so good at that, you know, they're just, they're just really good on camera and they, and they come off very sincerely and, and, um, that's everything that's more important than having a slick video, you know, for sure. I mean, I definitely think that in one way or another, if you're a filmmaker, your plea video needs to reflect that you are a good film. Like you need yeah, to be able to exactly. drop those skills, but if you do it with uh film that you've already shot, that's, that's great. Uh, so I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, if I'm raising money or if I'm looking at someone who's trying to raise money, I don't want to see that they spend a lot of money on their video necessarily. Hopefully they've been able to find a way to, to, you know, show that they can do it without, but you don't want to spend money. We didn't spend a dollar um, on that video because we didn't have a dollar to spend on that video. We're trying to raise money. You know, we don't have a lot of extra money. So, you know, but I mean, a good filmmaker should be able to, you know, set up a camera properly and do all those kinds of things more or less. Yeah, without without spending a lot of money. So <clears throat> it sounds like uh, early on in your career, you sort of had the the funding yourself to make films, and then crowdfunding kind of came along at the right time. Is that the way you feel about it? Or <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, look, first of all, I I I've been teaching no budget filmmaking. Uh, with no budget film school since 2005. And when I first started teaching that class, the premise of my class is you can make a movie with whatever money you have available to you right now in your pocket right now. And that meant, you know, don't go out and fundraise. Don't go, don't, don't, don't go to AFM. Don't go to rich dentists. You know, if you've got $5,000 or, or you can get a hold of $10,000, there's a movie you can make with $10,000. It's not every kind of movie. There's one movie probably that you can make with that $10,000. And that was my whole thing for however many years, whatever, three, four, how many years? Uh, 2005 to let's say 2010 or 2011. And then this crowdfunding thing pops up and now it's like, wait a second, you can make a movie with not only what's in your pocket, but what you think you can raise out, you know, through in a month through crowdfunding. And there's so many great reasons to do crowdfunding besides the money. Again, I, I would do it for every project, whether I needed the money or not, because they're just, it's now we have, we talked about a couple of those, but I haven't talked about all of them, all the great reasons for doing crowdfunding. Um, but now it really started to change my class. And, and I mean, it doesn't, it didn't change it fundamentally, but this, this idea that how much money you can get, you know, depending on how good you are kind of crowdfunding and there's a whole kind of thing to it. But I, I consulted on a project once that, um, that ended up, ended up working on officially as well. Terrific movie called Farrah goes bang. And when they came to me, I read the script and we did a whole consulting th session and uh, you know, they didn't have a single dollar to make that movie. And then they were talking about doing crowdfunding and I kind of gave them my, you know, my tips on that. And then they went out and raised $80,000 you know, crowdfunding and they worked their butts off. They're really smart and really sharp. Um, uh, and they hit up everybody they knew and got, and they didn't even really get money outside of people they knew. They just really hit the people they knew. And, um, so now they had $80,000 to go make a movie. I mean, that was, that's, that's the revolution. I think from, from my perspective of, of kind of no budget filmmaking. Yeah. I've been fond of saying over the last year <clears throat> or so that the word crowdfunding may or may not go away, but you know, crowd rate crowdfunding is just fundraising, right? You know, like th there's no reason to distinguish between the two because this is the way it should be done. You should be able to just take people's payments with a credit card and uh, we do everything else online. We buy toilet paper and airline tickets and whatever else online. Why not give to, you know, good causes online. So it, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, it's revolutionizing filmmaking in particular because there's never been, I won't say never, but it's been a lot harder to, to take in small donations and, and, and reach out that way. Um, but I do wonder how long it's going to be before the, the patina really wears off and whether there's going to be kind of a, a slump of, you know, people being tired of, being asked for every damn little movie that everybody wants to break. Right. Uh, certainly within the film industry, I think we see that. Like, I'm, you've contributed to more than 100 campaigns, so have I. And some of that was just professional interest. But after a while, you just kind of go, oh, my God. And, and it makes you hesitate about even starting one. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good question. And I, I don't know the answer. I, I wouldn't know. 
I can tell you this perspective though. I, I've got a hundred. I'm just looking now. Someone just, just donated while we're talking. We just went over 50% of our, um, our goal just, just now. Um, thank you. Um, we have 140 backers now I, without doing a careful analysis, which I will be able to do cause I keep really good records of this stuff. But, um, at some point I'll be able to tell you where all those people came from. Were they friends of mine? Were they friends of Henry's or Patrick's? Or were they strangers? And we're getting a lot of stranger dollars on this one um, because we came out with a really strong social media and um, we were prepping all that before, prior to launching. And um, and frankly, Kickstarter, the Kickstarter tools have really worked in our favor. Um, and they just looks like they just named us a project we love, which that just happened today, too. I just noticed that, which is great. Um I mean, we, we got a $5,000 donation from someone I did not know who found us through Kickstarter algorithm tools or whatever, which is kind of amazing. I mean, um, so what I would say about that uh, is that I've gotten backers who've never backed a project. They've, this is the first one they've ever backed, several, because I think every single person through Kickstarter when I, when I, when they donate. So I go on you know, Kickstarter, you know, you can go on to the message place and you can see how many they backed. Some people have backed five, some people have backed 10, some people have backed a lot, you know, some, one guy had backed 400. So he's just, that's wow. just what he likes to do. So it's a real mix of people who, um, I know there are people who've burned out because I've emailed personally emailed people that I know are like me and they get these requests and I, you just, you have to ask, I mean, you know, you have to ask in different ways, but you have to ask. I think that's my, one of my big rules is like, don't be afraid to ask even the poorest person, um, because you just have to, and, and, you know, it's like, you're not doing your, your, your job or doing what, you know, your, your kind of responsibility to your film to, to not ask. I mean, and, and you can, you don't have to say, give me money. You can say, look, if you just spread the word, that'd be great. And I did that with, with a, with a filmmaker that I know very well. And I know he doesn't have a lot of money and I never asked for money. Um, and he gave me 25 bucks, which to me is a huge thing. I'm like, I was so thrilled. And, and I know that that means so much to me because I know that that, not that guy's like me. I give like $25 and that's hard and it's adds up. And, um, so, so there are people that are burned out and, and then there's people that are brand new to this. And then there's people that will probably just love doing it. So I'm not sure if it'll, if it, if it's, you know, if it'll die out or it'll evolve into something else, but, but, um, the good thing, you know, you should, I think to have a successful campaign, you have to have kind of a coordinated attack. And that means you got to come at it from a lot of different places, you know, and, and so you should have your, your mix of people should be people that have, you know, that have probably have been inundated. They're, they're probably in the film business and have been inundated from this stuff along with the people that, you know, they're your, your parents, friends, or, you know, my friends are old and they probably haven't given to any Kickstarter campaigns or they've given to, you know, two of mine. Um, there are some people that are literally given to three campaigns and they were mine. And so those people are not burned out on, on, um, on Kickstarter campaigns. And, and, and the other thing you know, we can say is, look, this, this is happening during an election and there's people that give to elections every year. They don't seem to be burned out on that. I mean, you know, and I, I mean, gosh, that's brutal, you know, cause you get a million emails and I'm not going to inundate you with emails at least if you, once you give to my campaign. Um, but I did have one person who, you know, has money. They, they're uh, wealthy people who, they're, they said they couldn't give to me because they were they were fighting they were in a particular state where they're fighting uh, one of the parties in that state who's been taking over their state and they're they're donating you know a lot of money to to pol- the political campaigns and they couldn't they couldn't afford to to give me any money and and um and that you know I understand that I mean I, I certainly don't hold any grudges I I've, I've stopped doing that after the first campaign um, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of the first campaign. Um, but you know, people have their reasons. It's interesting when you go to wealthy people, I think, um, the problem you have is that wealthy people will not give you $25 because they think that that's insulting and it makes them, you know, they, they would rather give you nothing than $25. So they just think that that, whereas, you know, if they only knew that $25 is like a really terrific thing to get, um, and it all adds up. And, um, so the people that have actually gotten back to me and have said why they couldn't give me money, which is very few people. Most people just don't even respond. Um, they were people that have means. I mean, they may be struggling. Maybe they've got four kids in college, but they're wealthy people with four kids in college or they, or they, you know, they're not, they're not, they're on the, they're not, on, they're not doing as well as they were last year, but they're still do very well. They, they do a lot better than I do as a poor 
filmmaker who doesn't get paid to make movies or whatever, but they don't want to give $25 because they think that that's insulting to you, to you, the, the filmmaker. And it's just not, but you don't want to tell people that are wealthy. Hey, look, just give me $25. It means so much to me because you want to, you know, you hope they're going to give you a hundred dollars or whatever. So it's just, it's just the way, it's just an interesting kind of observation I've, I've made a couple of times now about, uh, about wealthy people, poor people, you know, or I don't poor people. This is, this is, I shouldn't even put it in those terms, but you know, people that don't have the means of some of these other people, you know, give you $30, $30 or $35 or whatever they're, they're, uh, um, they, they've, they don't have a, they don't put a stigma on that. I think so. It's interesting. And it's a real show of faith. I mean, you know, when somebody who that $35 means a lot to them, like that's, it's, it's the sentiment and it's the, uh, the psychology of it that is so difficult to navigate and so uh, rewarding when you make it, make it work. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, this, the, there's a science of the pitch, you know, and I'm, trying to be a better scientist, I guess. Um, I mean, I've put a lot of thought into these pitches. I have, I, I break my, uh, we didn't, we haven't talked about this. And I don't know if you want to go into it because it would probably take a while, but I have this massive spreadsheet. That's a very, it's, it's a science project all its own, of, uh, you know, that's divided up into all these different types of groups of people. And some people I'm going to email personally. Some people are going to get an email blast from me. Some people are going to get a phone call, you know, they're all labeled, you know, it's, I can sort by all these different ways. Um, everybody, you know, once I send them, uh, you know, something, I label them a certain way. I know whether they've gotten back to me or not. You know, it's, it's a, this is something I've, I, I've kind of done on this campaign that, that I've, that I've refined over the, you know, the last two campaigns, but, um, you know, each group of people gets a different message and each group of people gets a different, you know, a hard sell or a soft sell. I mean, there's, I've got, two campaigns of people, of, of people who've given to me, you know, some have given to me twice and some have given you to one or the other. And so there's a different way I'm going to talk to those people than I am to people that have never given to me. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've, and it's, I've sweat over these, these emails. I sweat over these, the different, the slight different wording. And maybe it doesn't make that much difference, frankly, at the end of the day, but, but, you know, you, you, you're, you're doing everything you can to, you know, coax people into giving you money and not offend them and not, you know, make them feel weird or whatever. And, and, um, so it's, it's a whole, you know, challenge. Again, if I were one of these experts, I'm sure there are people that, that are, you know, that sell all the time that are really good at this and understand the psychology. And I'm not that person. I, I, this is my own, you know, I've learned from my, myself and I haven't learned everything there is to learn. And, you know, and, and I don't know that much about selling. I'm not a salesman at all. Um, but, uh, but I just, you know, I've kind of figured out for myself a few things and, and I, and I assume that they're right because they seem to be working or maybe they don't work and I don't, you know, maybe I could fix them or something, but it is, it's so definitely working. I mean, the dollars keep going up. You're, I mean, as we record this, you've got 17 days to go and you're a little over halfway, like you just said. So, you know, you're, you're actually ahead of the game. Like you, that's the great thing about crowdfunding. You set yourself a goal. Right. And you can see exactly how well you're doing. Uh, yeah. And and what I like about your campaign is that um, your backer numbers are, are also pretty high, you know, in terms of just that number matters a lot too, uh, not yeah. just the dollars that you've got. Cause you know, if it were four people who had backed this and gotten you to 17,000, well, that would be impressive. But I would be wondering like, okay, who are those four people and why are there only four people? Yeah. No, it's, it's, I've been to those pages, you know, where you're like, wait a second, why do they have 20 backers and $10,000 or whatever? But you know, it's interesting with our case, we have three, we have three big backers that have donated a pretty high amount. And then we have a lot of people who donated $10 and $15 or 30, you know, or 25 or $30. So it's a, you know, it's an interesting kind of mix that I haven't seen on our previous campaigns. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, um, it's just a whole, it's a fascinating thing while you're doing it, <laughs> the whole psychology of giving money or whatever, you know, it's crazy. I would say this, you know, a couple of little things, um, about the page and, you know, when I, you know, cause I, I'm sure like you, you know, someone will email you and you're like, Oh, that's someone I have to give money to, you know, cause they're, for whatever reason, they're, their friend or they, they did something for you or whatever. So you go to their page and you're just hoping that it's going to be worth giving, you know, and you, and you haven't usually have an amount that I, I go with, like, I'm going to probably give $25. So I'm hoping at $25 that a, I'm going to like this project and that B at $25, they're going to be 
you know, giving something decent away at $25. And, and, um, so I'm a big believer on creating a page that looks like you gave a shit. Like you really put a lot of, even if people don't read it, people probably don't spend a lot of time going, you know, reading your page, but that needs to look like you put some effort in and that you care about your project. That's a big thing for me because I go to pages sometimes where it looks like someone spent five minutes doing their page and I'm like, oh, and I have to give to them because they're a friend or whatever, or they took my class or whatever. And I'm, you know, and sometimes I'll come back and say, listen, you got to beef this up. This is, this isn't going to, you're not going to make your goal. And then I, you know, I want to see that people are generous with their, with their, at their, you know, the different reward levels. Um, I, I'm kind of, again, I have my own little rules on this, but I believe that you give the movie away at 25 bucks. Um, if you're not doing that, then you're, you're kind of shafting everybody. Um, however you do that, whether it's a DVD or a stream or whatever, you should be giving it away around that price point. And that's the price point most people are coming in to get involved anyway. So, um, you know, we, I think we have pretty generous, uh, you know, $55, you get like five DVDs and some other things. I mean, we give a lot away. Um, and you know, I, I've costed that stuff out. I know how to fulfill it. I know what my costs are. I know how much the postage and the envelopes cost and what fits in particular envelopes. I have rules on my own little personal rules on what, you know, when do I start mailing something? When do I start mailing something this large? Cause it's going to go up to a bigger envelope and it's going to cost me more. And I kind of actually, this time around, I actually priced out. I know what at, at each level, what my, um, percentage, fulfillment cost is going to be, which I've never really done at the, I've never done it that I've never gone to that extent, but I, I've kind of just had it in the back of my head, but now I kind of know. Um, so, uh, and I think that, you know, the other thing that you should show off, people should recognize when they get to your page is that you, you, you care about your, your rewards. You've actually thought about that and you, you know, whether they're, whether they're actually things that people want or not, that you've actually, you know, come up with something fun, something maybe related to what you're doing. And, um, and, you know, there's the standard rewards, there's t-shirts and, you know, uh, sign scripts or, or whatever, but then there's, you know, hopefully you've come up with some things that are very specific to your particular campaign. And then also really important, most importantly, appeal to these different niche audiences that you're trying to attract to your page so that you're, you know, if you've, if you've got better call Saul fans that you're dragging over to your, to your page, you need to have something at a, at a few different levels just for them, you know, that they're going to really dig. So, you know, for people who are fans of Patrick, Fabian or better call Saul. We've got a lot of great stuff. And Patrick is, he's such an amazing, he's first of all, he's a great actor, but he's just such an amazing, generous guy, totally on board this campaign, totally, you know, said, I will do whatever you need me to do. And um, so we've got him doing some really great stuff, very personal things for his fans. And um, so I think, you know, big believer in that. So tell people who he is on better call Saul. So, uh, yeah, he's Howard Hamlin. He's the, uh, he's the guy that runs the law firm that uh, Jimmy, and, you know, it, it was trying to work for, you know, that um, came off in the first season as a bad guy. But then you start around the end of the first season, you start to realize maybe he's not such a bad guy. Now he's he's back in the bad guy boat this season um, for what he's doing to uh, Kim Wexler. If you watch the show, it's a great show, by the way, I have to say, I love the show. Um, but uh, Patrick is, he's also was the star of um, The Last Exorcism, which, uh, you know, came out a few years ago. Um and uh, it was like number one at the box office actually when it came out. Um, and then he's been on a million TV shows. He's, he's been on, you know, regular on a bunch of shows and then guest starred on a bunch of shows. And, um, he, I mean, he's a real veteran actor. He's a terrific actor. He's a total pro. And, um, but he's also just a really great guy. I did like his line in your video where he said he'd been on every crime show ever. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, I, I only pulled a few a few of them, but he's been on a ton of them. We've talked a lot about that. Um, and then apparently this whole saved by the bell, the college years, um, where he plays professor Lasky. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little too old to, to hit, to know that, but that's a, he, we made sure to make that reference because he said, that's the one, still the one place that people stop him on the street, you know, 20 years later and say, oh my God, professor Lasky, and, you know? And so we made sure to <laughs> include that. Um, so, but, uh, anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, I was just saying, you know, that I just feel like, uh, uh, you know, it's a, this in part of that kind of broader strategy of crowdfunding, you know, coming up with rewards. We, you know, with Daniel Ash, we're trying to raise money to to get some Daniel Ash music, and um, uh, and so you know, we're hoping to to attract some Daniel Ash fans to the page and have some special, you know, autograph stuff of his, you know, at some different levels and that kind of thing. Cool. <clears throat> So tell people where they can find the campaign and find you. 
So uh, I'll give you this little great piece of advice I got from, I should mention this guy. I saw a free seminar when, um, at Film Independent about three weeks before I launched the campaign that was super helpful. I wasn't even going to go because I didn't think I had anything to learn. And I thought, nah, there's always something to learn. And I learned so much from this guy who, I mean, I, you know, I've never worked with him, but just saw him do a 90 minute thing. He calls himself the Kickstarter guy. And I, and I don't remember his name. I think you, you can go online and just Google the Kickstarter guy if you're curious. But, um, one of his great pieces of advice was to come up with a, a URL that you, uh, you know, before you launch your campaign, it's pointed to your website, but eventually when you launch your campaign, it's pointed to your campaign page. So you're not telling people go to Kickstarter and do a search and, or, you know, or give them that cryptic, you know, Kickstarter bitly kind of, um, you know, uh, URL. So our URL that will take you right to our Kickstarter page is driverxmovie.com. Um, and, um, you know, eventually it'll be pointed back to our website. Um, but right now, if you go to driverxmovie.com, you can, you can check out our page. You can check out the video. You can decide whether you think it's too long or not. Um, you can email me and tell me exactly what you think about it. I'm happy to hear. Um, and, uh, um, the web, the website address again, driverxmovie.com or drvrx.com is our website. There's nothing really much on our website right now. The real website is the Kickstarter page. That's where all the information is right now. Um, and then, you know, I teach no budget filmmaking through no budget film school. That's no budget film That is a site that I built myself and I'm not a web designer 11 years ago. So you can already imagine just how crappy a website it is, um, as far as the way it looks. Um, and, uh, it looked bad 11 years ago. That's, it looked old 11 years ago. And that's like what, 2 million years ago in like real time, you know, like technology time or something. So don't be thrown by how bad my website looks i'm working i'm someday i'm going to stop making movies i'll have a, a little time to fix my website because i have a whole I, I know where you know my new website's coming from but i just have that time to do it but I would, the only reason i mentioned this is um uh you know i was looking at these two articles i'd written before and i'm working on a third article and um i think they're still pretty good articles like they're still really valid and if you're curious um you can go to the page that says no budget report. And if you scroll down, you can see the two articles that I've written about Kickstarter there. And then I plan on writing a whole new article, all the new stuff that I've learned from doing this a third time. And, and if you're on my mailing list, which you can you know easily subscribe to, then you'll get that uh, article first because I probably won't have time to post it um, after I write it. And I'm looking to write that pretty soon before the campaign ends. So, um, so yeah, so do that. And then, um, um, I, I mean, I have other websites, you know, there's the different movies and stuff like that, but those are the big ones. Great. I'll get some of those links into the show notes as well. So people can find those more easily. <clears throat> well, Mark, uh, we'll be watching this campaign as it goes along. I'm going to get this posted pretty soon so that if you're listening, there's probably still time to hit driverxmovie.com and, uh, give to the campaign. Uh, and I listen, Chris, I really appreciate this. It's so great to get a chance to talk about the, the movie and the campaign and, and uh, share a little bit of, you know, a few words of wisdom that I've been picking up in the last, you know, two weeks of doing this campaign. And it's my pleasure. It's so nice to finally uh, get you on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That does it for another episode of the film festival secret podcast. I'm Chris Holland, your host, and you can find the show notes and subscribe links for the show at filmfestivalsecrets.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.